Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. You know what it means to come home at night to a woman who'll give you a little love, a little affection, a little tenderness? It means you're at the wrong house. (laughs) Where would men be if it were not for women? We'd be back in the Garden of Eden, (laughs) where you ate inside a house and home. The reason God made man first is because he didn't want any advice on how to make him. I heard a definition for nagging. It's being nibbled to death by a duck. God created man and then he rested. He created the world, the heavens and the earth, and then he rested. God created woman and then since then neither man nor God has rested. A man in the cemetery was hugging the tombstone, crying, saying, Why, why did you have to die? And a passerby stopped and put his arm around the man and said, A close relative? He said, No, my wife's first husband. A wife calls the man at work and says, I think the car is flooded. I can't get it cranked. He said, where is it? She said, it's in the swimming pool. (laughs) The lady on the... (laughs) Stay with us now. (laughs) Lady on the freeway, a car wouldn't crank, and a man stopped and tried to help her, and he finally said, lady, your car's out of gas. She said, well, it hurt to drive it home this way. When we talk about marriage and about intimacy, one couple said to the counselor, when he asked them, do you have anything in common? They said, yes, we both can't stand each other. And that can be the picture, but the good news and the reason for these sermons is that any marriage can be turned around. Things can change. A sorry marriage can become a great marriage. Gary Smalley, who's written several wonderful books on marriage, has said that in six weeks you can change your attitude from totally negative to totally positive about another person. Just in six weeks, an entire attitude can change. And so that's encouraging. I read where one psychologist was interviewing four women who had been divorced recently, and they asked the the women, if the man you divorced, if all of a sudden he were to ask your forgiveness and start acting in loving ways toward you, would you take him back? All four said yes, they would take him back. So I'm saying that there is hope, and the purpose of these messages is to make a difference in your life. What we're talking about, we're talking about gut-level issues. We're talking about where the rubber hits the road. We're talking about things that can be life-changing, that can make the difference in your quality of life. I got so encouraged this morning. I was, yesterday I was in Marshall, Texas, out of Marshall, Texas. I spoke at the uh, Davis Memorial Chapel, and so many of those people watched this program on television over in East Texas. Sweet, sweet people. Uh, many of them stood and gave testimony about this program, and then we ate, ate lunch, and 
so many came to me and talked about how God had spoken to their hearts and how their lives had been changed as a result of listening to these messages on marriage and intimacy. And somebody told me just as I came in the service this morning that somebody called this morning when our program was on from 7 to 8 in the prayer chapel. A woman called, and she said that listening to the sermon this morning, she understood her husband for the first time. He's been dead 16 years. And she said, I was able to understand him and forgive him for the first time. Now that, I don't know about you, but that makes it all worthwhile because she's going to have freedom for the first time in her life that she can let go now and move on with her life because there is understanding. And I don't know, but I just got a feeling that her husband up in heaven, if he, if he saw that same program, he was saying, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, he's grateful that finally there's some understanding. And it goes both ways. The man needs to understand the woman, and the woman needs to understand the man. And this morning we're talking about an intimate husband. Our definition of intimacy is the tender merging of body, mind, and soul in an atmosphere of safety and trust where people are free to be themselves, to be open, to be honest, without fear of rejection or retaliation. Intimacy is being emotionally present for somebody else. We use the acrostic close, the word C-L-O-S-E, the C standing for commitment, the L standing for listening, the O standing for openness and transparency, the S for sensitivity, sensitivity to meeting the needs of somebody else, the E for empathy, walking in somebody else's shoes, understanding life from their point of view. To be emotionally close to somebody else at the feeling level so there is honesty and openness and transparency in an environment of safety and trust. That is the goal of intimacy, and that ought to be the goal of every marriage. An intimate husband is every wife's dream. And men, listen to me. You are the key. The secret, the best way to have a great marriage is to become a great husband. You are the key to that marriage. Your response what you do as a husband will determine what's going to happen in that marriage. A marriage failure is not always the husband's fault, but it is always the husband's responsibility. So I want you to understand it's your responsibility. You have the weight of this thing. If what happens in this marriage, it is upon your, your shoulders. And it's never too late to begin. It's never too late to start doing what's right. The saddest words in a marriage... I wish I had. I wish I had. The worst words in a marriage, I'll never change. <laughs> the worst words a woman can ever hear from a husband, I'll never change. Well, this is me. I'm just like I am. You've got to take me like I am. Here I am. I'm not going to change. Don't intend to change. I'll never change. You talk about jerking the hope out of a woman's heart. The only reason some, some of these women are with you men is because they're hoping against hope you're going to change. And it works the other way around also. The worst thing we can say to a mate is, I'll never change. Listen, nobody can change you. You cannot change your mate. Your mate cannot change you. But my friend, all of us ought to be wanting to change in the power of God, with the help of God. We ought to want to be growing and changing and working at this thing called relationships and intimacy. So the worst words that you can ever say, I'll never change. Don't utter those words. 
It's not too late to make a difference. It's not too late to have a great marriage. It's not too late to change. Now, it's not natural. It doesn't come easy. It is not without pain. It is not without cost. If it's easy, it's not intimacy. If there is no pain, it's not intimacy. No pain, no gain. But my friend, what I want you to understand is that the dividends are well worth it. Whatever the price, whatever the effort that it takes, whatever the pain, building an intimate relationship with your wife, your husband, it's worth the effort. And good intentions won't accomplish it. I think men have a weakness here. We always intend to do something about it. We intend to change. We intend to be different. We intend to treat our wives better. We intend to understand them better. But listen to me, men. If you are a success in the business world, it's not because of what you intended to do. It's because of what you have done. Not what you're going to do, but what you actually do. And so it is with marriage. If you're going to have success in marriage, if you're going to be an intimate husband, if you're going to build an intimate relationship, it's not going to be because of what you intend to do or what you're going to do, but what you actually do. In other words, intimacy is intentional. You've got to have purpose. You've got to have resolve. You've got to have determination. You've got to do it. The Nike commercial, just do it. It will not happen spontaneously. It will not happen automatically. You've got to work at it. There's a passage over in 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at it together. 1 Peter chapter 3. This chapter is talking about the husband and the wife relationship. And here is a special word to husbands. The bottom line is that regardless of what psychologists say and psychiatrists and sociologists, and they can give us much help. But the most important thing is that we hear from God. And this is a word from God to husbands. Verse 7 of chapter 3. Husbands. Likewise, he's been talking about the wife. Now he says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, live with them, with understanding, with knowledge, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Weaker meaning not physical strength as that of a man. Actually, the, we're learning today that, that the woman is stronger emotionally than the man. It's the man that has the fragile emotions and that fragile ego. Certainly, she is superior at being a woman. Giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of God. We are equal, not identical, but we are equal. And certainly, we are equal recipients of the grace of God. The redeeming factor in your wife is the grace of God. The redeeming factor in your husband is the grace of God. We are equal recipients of the grace of God, that your prayers may not be hindered. So God says, men, I want every husband to do two things. I want every husband to understand his wife and to honor his wife. And if you don't, then there is going to be spiritual failure in that home, spiritual failure in your life. Two things, understand her and honor her. Now, in the Ephesian passage, Paul says we are to love our wives as we love our own selves. And there's a unique way that you will never really be able to understand yourself until you give your wife understanding. And you'll not be able to love yourself appropriately until you love your wife. And so the Bible says the man is to love the wife 
That's the basic need that both men and women have to love someone. And you are to understand and to honor that wife. Now let's talk about this word understanding, knowledge, gnosko. It means to, to learn by experience. It's talking about intimate knowledge. Francis of Assisi says, Lord, may I seek to understand more than to be understood. So God says the goal of every man, if you want to be an intimate husband, then you've got to try to understand your wife. You'll never understand her completely because you're too different. She's a unique person. And you cannot know her inner being as well as God knows her. God understands her totally. You'll never be able to, but you're to try to understand her. And the harder you try, the more understanding will come. The same way it goes the other way. The wife will never understand the man totally. But the Word is saying that we are to work at this thing called understanding the wife. In other words, you are to enroll in Wifeology 101, and it's a lifetime course. You're to get help. You're to read books. I read the other day where 58% of Americans have never read one book all the way through to the end. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? And nine out of ten men never read a book on marriage or about how to understand a wife or how to treat a wife. But men, God says you're to get understanding. And the best way to do that, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There is tremendous help that's available. Read some books, listen to some tapes, get some help. But understand your wife. Learn to celebrate the differences. She is uniquely her. You are uniquely you. There are differences that do not need to be liabilities. They can be assets. The differences do not have to be something that, that causes competition but results in completion. They can be dynamic. They don't have to be divisive. God created male and female. We are totally different. The wife, remember, she is right-brained in that she can, she's bilateral in that she can move from one side of the brain to the other, but she favors the right side of the brain. Now, that's the side that, that's involved in feelings and is more personal, more people-oriented. And she's concerned about things like songs and poems and flowers and hugs. That's the right side of the brain. She's relational. She's talkative. 25,000 words a day. That's talkative. Now, the man only has about 12,000. And see, one of the problems is when the man comes in, he has talked all day long. He's only got about 300 words left. He gets home to the wife, and she's got 20,000 left. And that could be a problem. You say, well, that's not true in our marriage because the, the, the man talks all the time. The husband talks all the time. Well, if the husband talks all the time, that's unnatural. That's unusual. It's probably because he is really insecure, and he's covering up. He has to keep talking so you won't get, you won't get to know him. He won't be exposed. So he is constantly talking, and many women give up. You see, women are going to talk, and they've got all those words there, but if the man does all the talking because of insecurity, the woman finally gives up, and she gets quiet, not because she doesn't want to talk, and she is tremendously frustrated because she can't talk. She's got 25,000 words. keeps building up on her. Fortunately, she's able to be with her women friends and get rid of some of those words, but she is very talkative, very relational, and she's animated. 250,000 different facial expressions. I've seen all of them. <laughs> Incredibly animated. And they can tell you all kind of things just by raising an eyebrow and changing a facial expression. But they're just different. 
They're concerned about details where, where men just want to get to the bottom line and, and don't, don't mess with all these other things. That's just the way women are. They're different in that way. When uh, Today, Lee's in South Carolina, and she'll be back uh, tonight, and, and she'll ask me about today. What would she ask about this service? She want to know how this service went. She want all of the details. Well, what songs did Brother Abel sing? Well, I don't know, just songs. Well, who sang the solo? I, well, I, I'm not sure. I think Brother Abel's did. Well, what, 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 what did he sing? Well, I don't know. It was good. <laughs> well, did you see so-and-so? Well, what, is she, what was, was she wearing? Clothes. <laughs> see, she gets, she's in all... And she, when she walks into a building like this, see, she walks into this room, the man is looking for a seat. He's going to hunt a seat and find it and grab it. She will check out the room. She's looking around at the decor and the, and the people and the clothes and who's wearing and who's with who, and she's checking out the whole thing. We're just totally different. That's why when a man walks into a restaurant, he wants to sit not with his back to the door. That's the way we are. It's the old John Wayne in us. You never know when somebody's going to walk in with guns and shoot you, so you've got you to gotta be ready for whatever happens. But the, even the way we walk into a room is different. Everything about us is different. But we celebrate those differences. And the man must learn to discover her needs. Her, one of her greatest needs is to be understood. That means to enter into her world and to validate her point of view. You've got to acknowledge her as a person without judging her, without putting her down, without making her feel silly without making her think that her feelings are wrong, you are to accept her and understand that she is uniquely who she is. Now, let me tell you what our temptation is. You see, we, we, we tend to think that women are illogical at best and crazy at worst because they don't think like we think, and they do not express things like we express things. Look in the dictionary, and you'll find a definition for insanity. And here it is. Behavior not based on logical and rational reasoning. That's a woman. <laughs> no logical or rational behavior. Behavior that's not logical or rational. That's a woman. So by our definition, they're crazy. But now remember last Sunday I told you men were brain damaged? Well, you expect me to come back today and tell you women are crazy. Is if we look at our own point of view, women seem crazy and men seem brain damaged. But the truth is that neither position is crazy. It's just different. You see, a man thinks in a logical way, but that's fallible. That can be wrong. A woman thinks in an intuitive way, but that's fallible. That can be wrong. It's just a way of thinking. It's a way of deciding. And for the woman to use intuition, that's just as valid as a man using logic. It's just a different way of arriving at decisions and of looking at life. So it's not that one is crazy and the other is sane. It's that we simply approach life in a different manner. And one is as valid as the other. And men, you need to understand, your wife will not always be logical, but she always needs to be heard and understood and valued as a person. And many times women do not feel like that we hear them or that we try to understand. In the latest survey that I read, 96% of the women feel that they give a whole lot of more emotional support than they get from the man. 
So that's what they feel deep within their hearts. She has a need to be understood. She also has a need to be respected, to recognize that she is who she is and that she has a right to be who she is. And for you not to try to change her or manipulate her or to make her into the person that you want her to be. You're not to try to make her like your mama or like your sister or like anybody else. You are to allow her to be who she is and to recognize that she is equal in importance and that she counts in your book and that you accept her and appreciate her for being exactly who she is. What, what you're doing is you're validating her needs. You're loving her in her way. And the core of that is letting her be her. Stop trying to make her somebody different. Let her be herself. Appreciate and accept her. William James, the pioneer psychologist, says it's the deepest craving within the human psyche is that we need to be appreciated. Everybody feels that way. The woman feels that way. So appreciate her. Learn to praise her. She needs a lot of praise, a lot of encouragement. Love builds up. Love encourages. And that's what we do when we praise and encourage someone. And then avoid criticism. Avoid disapproval. You'll never know, men, the, the hurt that you do to a woman when you disapprove, when you are critical, when you are condemning. Stay away from that, and your marriage will be a lot better for it. And then the need for security. Now, we're not talking about food, clothing, and shelter. We're talking about the woman has a basic need to feel that, you, that she is number one in your life, that she is number one in your heart. The greatest gift you can give your wife is to give her the assurance that she is number one, that she holds that first place. Let me tell you what most women feel. Most women feel that work is more important than she, that, that you really value work more than you value her. Because what you value, you spend time with and you pay attention to. And so, and, and because work is so tied up with our self-image and our worth that, that we have trouble communicating that she is really more important than our job. So most women feel like that they lose out to work. Some women feel like they lose out to hobbies or to pleasure. Many women feel that everything is more important than they are. And my friend, if you want to have an intimate marriage, if you want to be an intimate husband, you've got to convince your wife that she is top priority, absolutely top priority. That when she has a need, you'll drop whatever you have to do to meet that need. For better or worse, you're hanging in there, closing the exits. You're committed. And that'll make the big difference in your marriage. And then she has a need for communication. The one activity that a woman enjoys most with a husband is meaningful conversation. That's just the average woman across the board. What she enjoys more than anything else is intimate communication. That's the key to intimacy. There is no intimacy without conversation. There is no change without talk. Now you talk about not changing. If you can't talk, you'll never change. That marriage will never change if there's no talking going on. And we're not talking about the weather. We're not talking about the rain in Louisiana. We're talking about feelings at the level of feelings below the surface, below the superficial. We're talking about emotions and how somebody feels and how somebody hurts and how somebody is handling life. You've got to be able to talk at the feeling level. No talk, no change. No talk, no intimacy. Let me tell you the biggest problem in communication. It's the real man syndrome. 
It's this macho American male. Real men don't cry. Real men don't share. Real men are always right. Real men have all the answers. Real men are always in control. The only thing wrong with that is not so. It's an image that men can't live up to. They keep trying, but we can't. It's a superhuman kind of thing. There is no such thing as having intimacy with something that's superhuman, that's unreal. That's what the move is. That's not a real life. And yet we're caught up in that thing. And that's why it's so hard for men to communicate. It's so hard for men to talk at the feeling level because they have this, this facade, this image that they cannot show their emotions, that they cannot feel hurt and admit that they're rejected or that they failed or that they're wrong. And this has been true for thousands of years. That's how boys grow up, this real man syndrome. Remember the New Testament, the Pharisees and the scribes? They were eaten up with this real man syndrome. Boy, they had everything was just right, had to be done just right, and they had control of all the situations. And they were the leaders, and men walked around in long black robes and made all the decisions, and everybody had to do what they said because they were the real men. And then Jesus came on the scene, and he broke the rules. And Jesus started talking to people that, that these men in black robes said, you can't talk to real men, don't talk to women. A young rabbi doesn't talk to a woman, much less a prostitute. And yet Jesus stops to talk to a prostitute, and he asks her intimate questions. And they said, no, you can't do that. And Jesus went around interviewing people and, and he emphasized relationships and he dealt with a feeling level and with intimacy. And they didn't understand that. And they began to fight him and to persecute him. And eventually they were going to nail him to a cross. You remember the trial? There were two men that day that Pilate put before the crowd because he could release one man. And he said, here is Barabbas. He is a known murderer, a thief. You know him. I could release him. Or here is this man, Jesus. I can find no fault in him. I can release Jesus. And no doubt Pilate expected that crowd to say, release Jesus because you find no fault in him. But the crowd said, release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Jesus died because of intimacy. They didn't understand him. They were afraid of him. They didn't want somebody getting into the area of feeling. They didn't want anybody dealing with their inner beings, their relationships. They didn't want anybody talking about the issues of the heart. You see, they understood this man Barabbas. They could understand him because he was a mean man and they knew how to control him. They could put him back in jail and eventually they could kill him and do away with him. But how do you stop a man who simply loves? How do you stop a man who says to his enemies, I love you and I forgive you? How do you stop a man who says to a prostitute, I care about you, I want to help you? How do you stop a man who cares about the core issues of life? You've got to kill him. And that's what they did. The male syndrome put Jesus Christ on that cross. And we still hadn't gotten over that. And some of you men here this morning still do not want to talk about real issues. And you get uncomfortable and you get fidgeted and you start moving around because you don't want anybody into your world because you don't want anybody to know that you have messed up and that you have failed and that you have been rejected and that you get hurt and that you want to cry and that you're not the real man that you claim to be. But my friend, listen, it's that real man syndrome that's the fake. Real men do cry. Real men do hurt. Real men do care. 
And that's where the strength is. We need to understand that. They were hung up on rules. Jesus said relationship is the issue. Intimacy. So here's, here's the key. Listen to me. Men, get up close. I want you to get this. This is the core of everything I've said these weeks together with you. You've got to move from top gun to top ear. You've got to forget this idea of being top gun. Oh, I can fly higher and go faster and I can, the, the women will do what I want them to do and I've got everything under control and I've got it going my way and I've got the world by the tail and I'm top gun and I'll be top gun. You'll miss out on life. You'll miss out on happiness. You'll miss out on intimacy. Sooner or later, the only thing in life that's going to matter to you will be relationships. And top guns don't do well in the end. It's the top ear that makes the difference. It's the man who will listen to his wife that's going to experience the deepest kind of happiness. Not the man who tries to control. Not the man who has to have all the answers. Not the man who's always right. Not the man who says, I can never be wrong. Not the man who says, I can never feel sorry or be sorry or say I'm sorry. But the man whose top ear is the one who listens. An intimate husband is a listening husband. Let me give you three characteristics of the top ear. Number one is total attention. You want to give your wife a gift that she will treasure, give her total attention. When she's talking, give her that total attention. Look into her eyes. Let her know that she has 100% of your attention, that you're tuned in on her frequency. And what you're saying is that she is important to you, that she is valuable, that she is worthy. Total attention. The second thing is total acceptance without judgment, without criticism, without condemnation. You accept her as she is. And she can say whatever she needs to say without the fear of being rejected or retaliated against or being put down. Total attention, total acceptance, total recall. If you're really listening, you'll be able to recall 100% of what she said to you, not only the content, but the feeling behind it. That's real listening. That's the top ear. The opposite from the top gun. And men, that's not natural. That's not easy. And sometimes when you've been listening to people all day and you come home from work and what you've got to do is listen again, it's difficult, but the dividends are worth it. Find a natural time to listen. Maybe at mealtime, after the kids leave the table, you can just sit there and give her 100% undivided attention. Time in the car. Find times that you can give her some attention where you listen to what she's saying. Now remember, in communication, men and women talk differently. They talk for different reasons. The woman is talking, remember, trying to find something to say. She's trying to feel her way. She's trying to connect. She's trying to relate. She may not even know what the problem is. She just starts talking, and eventually she's going to hit on the problem. Men are the opposite. They are, are headed for a point. They have a specific point to make. 
They have something to say. They want to say it, be done with it, get it over with. So men and women are different. And you need to understand that for the woman, she has to talk. There is no choice. It's the unfolding process. It's the way she shares herself. It's the way she connects. It's who she is. It's like cleaning out a purse. And by the way, you know, women carry these huge purses and, and uh, men carry a, a thin wallet. That's because we're so different. Man just wants the basics, which is what it's going to take to get there and get it done, get on with it. The wife feels like she may have to take care of the world and she's got anything the world might need in that purse because you never know what could come up. I promise you, if we had time to just take purses in this building and let you pull out of them what's in there, we would sit here for hours in absolute amazement. Probably not an emergency could come up in this room that you hadn't already taken care of in that purse because that's the way women are. They carry these huge purses in case anything happens. Well, if you are emptying out your purse, you want the time to empty it out slowly. It takes a lot of time. Without judgment on, I can't believe you got all that stuff in that purse. Or why did you put that in there? Without condemnation, without criticism, she has the time to slowly empty that purse. Well, that's how she wants you to listen to her, and she needs you to listen to her. Now, women, you have a little part in that, too. It's interesting. Uh, this scenario, you know, uh, Lee will say, we need to, to talk. And I say, fine. What, uh, what would you like to talk about? I don't know. Why don't you go first? <laughs> she wanted to talk. That drives me crazy. Because that's the way, they, but see, she doesn't even know, she just knows what she's really saying is, I need to connect, I need to relate, I need to find out, I need to get in touch with my feelings and find out what's going on here. I just need some comfort and some assurance and I need to be cherished. That's what she's really needing, but she says, I need to talk. She's got to talk for all the other things that take place. And that's confusing to a man. You can understand how that can be confusing. So men move from top gun to top ear. Then the need for attention. Every woman desires and needs attention. Women spell intimacy, T-I-M-E. And they need quantity time more than they need quality time because quantity time is repetitious. They need that consistency. They need that repetition. One psychologist said if, if there are ten steps to intimacy, the first nine would be spending time with each other. The first nine steps would be spending time with each other. Roger Dangerfield, the, the guy who gets no respect, says, my wife and I sleep in separate rooms. We don't eat together. We don't go on vacations together. We're doing everything we can to keep our marriage together. <laughs> well, that's, that, you say that's preposterous, that's inane, that's ridiculous. And it's just as ridiculous for you to try to keep your marriage together by re and refusing to spend time with each other. It's impossible. You can't create intimacy unless you're willing to give it time. You've got to schedule intimacy. You've got to schedule time together. You've got to build it into your lives. It does not happen automatically. And then the need for affection. Many psychologists believe that the woman's greatest need is for affection. It's what cements that relationship for her. It's what stabilizes that relationship. It's what, it's what gives her security and protection and comfort. She needs that affection. Her great need is to be cherished, to be comforted. 
That involves honoring her. It involves holding her. It involves hearing her. It involves hugging her. By the way, man, would you like to do something to improve your health and increase your lifespan and raise your pay 20 to 30%? They did a survey of some psychologists and doctors for an insurance company over in Germany to decide to, to try to find out what made the successful the good life for people. And their conclusion, their summary statement, kiss your wife each morning before you leave for work. Here's what they found that men who kissed their wives before they went to work each morning had fewer automobile accidents on the way to work. Not only that, they missed less days because of sickness. Not only that, they lived five years longer. Not only that, they made 20 to 30% more money. Now, that's amazing. What's it saying? I think it's saying that when you began the day with a positive attitude that all is well at home, it makes a difference in your whole life. Because, my friend, no matter how successful you are out there, if your marriage falls apart, your life falls apart. Affection. Women must have it. They crave it. Women need 12 to 14, 12 to 14, 8 to 10, 12, 14. Meaningful touches every day of their lives. Women fall in love with men who make time for affection and conversation, and they stay in love with men who have time for affection and conversation. You've got to learn to cherish your wife. That's her greatest need. You can just get two things down. You can't do anything else. You can get two things down to be a top ear and listen to your wife and learn to cherish your wife. Your marriage will go straight up. It'll be wonderful compared to what it is right now. How do you cherish your wife? Well, one, look into her eyes and talk to her. Uh, brag on her in front of the kids. Tell her what a good mom she is in front of the children. Call her in the middle of the day and just say something positive. Set up a date and make all the arrangements. Send her flowers. Leave her a note. Surprise her. Put on a favorite record and go over on the couch and hold hands with her. Cut off the, the lights and light a candle for dinner one night. You see, women are just totally different. I... I I, I grew up in the country where everybody didn't have electricity. I, I thank God for electricity. I believe in lights. I like to see what I'm eating. <laughs> to me, it's totally absurd to cut off the light and light a candle. But that's a wife. That's the way I cherish her is by cutting off the light and lighting candles. That, you know, that's the way they are. You see, it's, to, to man, it's crazy. It's weird. But the other side is the same way. To you, the things that, that, that we are about seem crazy and weird. And what the truth is, neither one of us are crazy. We're just totally different. Even the way we dress. Uh, women uh, uh, dress to please the man. That's what we, if I'm going to take my wife out on a date, if I can think of something that she could wear and uh, you know, go look in her closet and try to figure out something and say, why don't you wear that dress? If I can remember where we bought it that we got in Dallas, uh, she just lights up because she dresses for me. I dress to keep from being naked. <laughs> Big difference. And you see, I didn't understand that for a long time. I thought if she's got enough sense to get dressed, I've got enough sense to get dressed, why should I tell her what to wear? You make those decisions, I'll make my decision. We'll both get dressed and we'll go out. But no, that's, that's not that way. So you learn to do things to, to cherish her. Uh, if she 
mention something that she wants or you see, you're out somewhere and she sees something and makes a big deal of that, then go back and get that for her. Or she asks you to do something, just do it. Don't make her keep asking you until it becomes a nagging, complaining kind of thing. Pick up on those things because you're tuned in. That's how you cherish her. Lee and I were out the other day last week and, and she saw a quilt that she, you know, she wanted. Now, she didn't need it and, and she just wanted it, but we spent several minutes there trying to decide whether or not to get that. She finally decided not to get it, even though she, uh, she wanted it. And then as we walked out of the store, she kept looking back at it. And the truth is, we, we don't need it. Uh, but, but again, that's women. They have a different, you know, this whole thing about quilts. Uh, we have quilts, and they're not to use on the bed. You just lay them over things. Just, you know, just put them over things. And the, the worse they look, the better it is. They look like, well, that's like an antique quilt. So if it's got, you know, little things wrong with it, little water spots and, or a little tear in it, then that's even better. And you just place them at different places. That's absurd. It's like pillows on the bed. 17 pillows on the bed. All you got to do is take them off every night and put them back on. Take them off and put them back on. You don't dare sit on them. You don't lay on them. You just put all those pillows on the bed. Why? Tell me one good reason why a bed ought to have 17 pillows you can't put your head on. Same way with a sofa. Pillows all over the sofa. And you start saying, don't sit on that pillow. You got to pick up the pillow and put it on the side of the deal. You're strange, women. But I cherish my wife, so the next morning, I'm back down there when that store opens, and I buy that quilt, and I bring it to my wife. That's how I cherish her, because that says to her, hey, he was tuned in. He was listening. He was feeling. He knew that I wanted that, and he thinks I'm important. He took his time. He went back. He made those decisions. He's making me feel special, cherished. That's what I'm saying. Now, listen to me carefully. You men, don't all of you go out here and buy a quilt. Your wife may hate quilts. You don't cherish her like I cherish my wife. You cherish her like she wants to be cherished. Did you get that? Shake head this way. You understand that? You've got to find out what she likes, how she wants to be cherished. And if you can't find any other way, just get her to make you a cherished list. Just get her to list some things that, that she would like to receive in a cherishing way. Some things you can do for her that she'd feel cherished. And that can go the other way. Let the man make a list. Maybe one day a week you have a cherished day. Or maybe you take a whole week sometime and just spend time that week cherishing each other. But find ways to cherish. Now, in a very practical way, another way you can comfort and cherish your wife is being financially responsible. And in, le in reading surveys, I found that the thing that women gripe about and complain about the most is financial problems, financial irresponsibility on the part of the man. And that's one of the things that just, just presents all kind of problems for the woman. So be financially responsible. The second main complaint is not helping with the chores around the house. See, we live in the working wife. Today, most women work. And she may work 40 hours on the job, and then she comes home and works 40 hours at the house. The man works 40 hours on the job, comes home and works an hour, two hours at the house, and she says, that's not fair. So women, if you want to know what their complaints are, it's money management and not enough help around the house. And the third thing is not handling conflicts with patience and immediately, but pushing things aside and not dealing with the problems as they arise. 
Now, let me just quickly say a word about women and stress. And I, uh, oh, I wish I had more time because this, uh, this is real important. The problem is that man doesn't understand when the woman is stressed out and he doesn't know what she's needing and how to support her. And so he tries and he does the wrong thing because he doesn't understand. He tries to support her like he wants support, and that doesn't work. See, if a man has a problem and he's stressed out, if somebody offers him a solution, he says, Hey, man, thanks. He's got a solution. That's what he wanted. When a woman is stressed out, she does not want you to offer any solutions. She wants to talk it out and work it out. That's how she handles her stress. So we get in trouble because we don't understand and we try to do it like we would want it done to us, and the whole thing gets in a mess. Because we're thinking, I've got to fix it. I've got to find a solution. When her need is comfort, she is saying, listen carefully, she is saying, hear me, hold me, hug me, and tell me it's going to be all right. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 